Yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm -hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. Yo, yo, everybody, welcome into a new edition of the Gritty Sports Podcast. You heard it there from the rip with Mr. Kanye West. We're celebrating champions here today. Champions only. On Gritty uh, Sports and the podcast as well, presented by, of course, Pretty Good Sports. Shout out to our boss, Rochelle, uh, for continuing all the support. Couldn't do it without him and his uh, platform, but yeah. And his handsome face. Yeah, his handsome face, and he likes the lions, right? He does. Yeah, that's okay, I guess. Well, I don't hate the Lions. But, uh, yeah, we're talking about champions today. Uh, we're going to be talking about, in the gritty finish, we'll be talking more about the Triple Crown and whether or not we think it's impressive or not. We have, of course, the Washington <laughs> Capitals. We have Kanye West. And we have the Warriors. And, nah. <laughs> but they did win again, so we're going to have to talk about them. That's news. We are a media organization, so... We're going to get to all of that. Welcome to the Champions Podcast. If you like losing, please dial a different number yes. and uh, go listen to something else. If you want to hear a bunch of belly aching and bitching, I mean, I still might bitch a little today, <laughs> but you get my drift. So we'll start from the top. Let's get the Warriors out of the way. Yeah, good Let's idea. Let's get the Warriors out of the way. They sweep Cleveland in a move that completely shocked everyone. Not. <laughs> Uh, I think we all predicted this. I will say, you know, just from the overview of the series, that I wasn't expecting Cleveland to be as competitive as they were in some of the games. Like, game one, I don't know if we talked about JR just being the dumbest motherfucker mm-hmm. alive, uh, but he is just absolutely stupid. They could have won that game. I thought they had a little bit of business winning game three. They got run out of the building in game two and game four. Uh, it seemed like in Game 4 that LeBron had just given up. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch much of it because it was Friday. Um, I was having a bonfire. But that that game, just from the stats, LeBron only took a handful of shots. He only had points in the 20s. So with that being said, um, the Cavs now should be shitting bricks in their pants for the next couple of months. Yeah, Le- LeBron is gone, and... Like, and think, they have, like, no foreseeable plan. They've traded away a bunch of picks over the years for LeBron. They have, like, the number 10 pick this year yeah. from the Nets that they still have. So they, they still have that, but they have no superstars. They have Kevin Love, who is really going to be their best mm-hmm. player by far. Yep. And they're just stuck with a bunch of no ones because of the Kyrie Irving trade. So this is, this is going to be a very bad team. Yeah, the Cavaliers, I think, are really hoping that, like, uh, Jordan Clarkson is gonna be a big and George Hill. Both I mean, those I guys are gonna Jordan have to be good Clarkson point guards. Gonna be a good player. Yeah. he was really bad in Cleveland. They're hoping for them, and like they, I guess they're hoping Larry Nance is gonna play a lot better. And then it's like, and then what? You know, they're gonna have to do something. And if LeBron goes, which he probably will, will they try to get like? I don't know, somebody, what other star, like, max contract player could they even try to get over well, there? Well, I mean, what they're going to have the contract space. is they're going to get a person who's not a max contract player and sign them to a max contract. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for a fact, like, who's on the free um, like free agent market, but I know Kevin Durant will be, LeBron will be, um, other guys such as that are going to be, um, Paul George is going to be a free yeah, Paul agent. Paul George. 
So uh, Carmelo is going to be a free agent. So maybe they. I mean, I had just assumed the Wizards would do that because they're stupid mm-hmm. and they would throw a lot of money at Carmelo Anthony. But that's entirely that possible. The, that would be the most Ernie Grunfeld. But I was ever. just thinking, you know, how like when Victor Oladipo had a, like a max contract, somebody of that mm-hmm. stature. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't, you know, have a list out in front of me. But. Yeah, I I just pulled up a list of the upcoming free agents. So people, you already said like KD, LeBron, Paul George, and Chris Paul unrestricted. Demarcus Cousins unrestricted this year. Um, Clint Capella, DeAndre Jordan has a player option. DeAndre Capella is restricted though, I could so see they DeAndre will definitely Jordan keep him. going to Cleveland. I don't think he's going to stay. I could see that too. I mean, like, they could offer him upwards of $25 million a year, yeah. and he doesn't deserve that, and he knows it. So Isaiah, Tom- it. Isaiah Thomas is unrestricted. He, he comes back. back to Cleveland. I mean, if LeBron is gone, I mean, they might even fire Tyron Lue. Yeah. That's a possibility. Ty- I could see Tyreek Evans going to Cleveland. Tyreek Evans. So, yeah, just, like, B-list all-stars. Derek Favors, he already lived in Utah. He can just live in, like, mediocre places and no one will ever hear of him his whole life. Yeah, and Derek Favors <laughs> has kind of been playing second fiddle in Utah yeah. ever since uh, the Stifle Tower got there mm-hmm. and then Donovan Mitchell. So, yeah, I mean, so those are a couple of options, but, you know, Cleveland is going back to sucking again yeah. as far as the Cavs are concerned. The Indians are still a really good team. Um, but, yeah, the Cavs are screwed. But the Warriors also looking forward, they have a bit of uncertainty because KD is going into another summer of mm-hmm. being a free agent. Clay and Draymond and Steph are all still going to be there. But what do you think they do from here on out? Because KD has now won two championships. I could see him maybe leaving. Yeah. I could see him just going out and doing his own thing because he went there as a hired gun. To win his Super Bowls, now he may go out because he's also taking a little bit of a discount being with the Warriors. He could make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, Clay's contract will be up next season, and then uh, Draymond, I think, would be the next one. Would be I believe maybe a year or so after that. Um, so yeah, the the Warriors are going to have to figure out something, and I think the. Draymond, Clay, Steph, Core is—that's who you need to try to keep together well, if you're the Warriors. That's what the Warriors want too. Yeah, I was reading an article fans want. just about how the fans haven't quite accepted mm-hmm. KD yeah. into the group. Like they love Steph the most. Like KD's the best player on that team. Yeah, KD, we can get into arguments until we're blue in the face with people about that. But Kevin Durant's the best player on the Warriors. He's the second best player in the world. He's the second best player in the world. You know, and James Harden's probably nipping right at his heels, but KD is still there. Um, but the Golden State community loves Steph the most. They love Draymond. Draymond's one of those guys. If he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you mm-hmm. don't. Just the way it is. They love him. They I don't know how. They probably love Klay Thompson too because they're all homegrown players. Yeah, they all came up in the system. KD is kind of just yeah. We're glad you're here, but we don't love you. Mm-hmm. And I think these. Uh, if KD leaves, and he obviously has a lot of time left in his career, he's still yeah. relatively young. He and will, he could play for a long time yeah, he, with the way he plays the game. Exactly. Like, his style of play, he can play for a long time. So, but, like, I can envision uh, 10 years from now, if he has a leaves, has a good career, if he even wins, like, one championship somewhere else and is there for, uh, like, a good portion of his time, I really don't think he'll be remembered as a warrior when his career ends. Like, people, like, 
favor the Oklahoma City version of KD, like, yeah. before everybody hated him. People might favor the next one. But I don't think, like, the Warriors' Kevin Durant is the one that people, like, in the future are going to be like, that was my favorite Kevin Durant. This is probably, like, his prime, like, his most athletic yeah. years. And But I, I hope that... He'll only be here for a short time, and I feel like a lot of people resent him going there during well, this time. And he should leave just on account of his legacy. Yeah. Because right now, can face. we do know that he's a very, very good player, but what are you going to remember 30 years mm-hmm. from now when you talk about Kevin Durant when we're old, you know? What yeah. are we going to talk about? He's a little bitch. Yeah. But if he... That's going to be the narrative forever. What if he sees, though, that D.C. is now the city of champions and one, and he gets a smell enticed. of that? What if, enticed. What if Ovi shows up and lets him drink out of the cup? My perfect scenario <laughs> is we trade Otto Porter to someone, get rid of his contract, yeah. and then we sign DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant in the nice. same <laughs> And then we're a super team. And LeBron. And <laughs> LeBron takes a discount. Yeah. To, Ve- to veteran minimum. Yes, he takes veteran minimum, and John he sleeps at John Wall's apartment during the whole season, eating ramen noodles. That's the dream. I love it. That would be the dream. LeBron, like, giving back to the community. If he really wants to give back, come to the Wizards. That would be fantastic. But, but that being said, let's talk a little bit about where we think LeBron's going to end up, because... I still think there's a chance he could come back to Cleveland, mm-hmm. but they would have to entice him with, like, future prospects. Yeah. Maybe even give him, like, shares of the company. Mm-hmm. Start giving him stock options. That like, maybe. A, like the MLS, and they, like, just gave him a team. Yeah, like, basically. Well, get, just, well, you can have the Cavs if you play for it. <laughs> yeah, like Dan Gilbert, you know, probably doesn't own 100% of the Cavs. I assume he's yeah. just the majority owner. Um, but he just starts selling stock to LeBron, you know, giving him stock options so he eventually becomes the GM or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that would be an option. That's interesting. I think that also... Can they do that in NBA contracts? I have no idea. I have I no like idea. I feel, yeah. Why not? Why I mean, not? like, it's a very, like, player-friendly league. Like, Adam Silver, it, like, definitely has the players' backs mm-hmm. over the owners. So I think that's definitely something that could happen. I doubt it would, but... For Cleveland to keep him, there's going to have to be some real ass-kissing this summer, and I just don't think that Dan Gilbert or the Cavs have that, you know, they don't have big enough lips mm-hmm. to uh, satisfy LeBron's ass-kissing needs. Um, other destinations that are on the agenda, the two most popular are Houston and um, Philadelphia. I think these two are very strong possibilities. I don't love the idea of Philadelphia just because, He's going to a team that's kind of young and kind of uncertain, um, but he would also have players that could be out there for 40, 42 minutes, 44 minutes a game mm-hmm. uh, to go out there and play for him. But I do also think that LeBron's been watching the Coangelo story pretty closely, yeah, and uh, that that shows a little bit of dysfunctionality in the. Front and LeBron office. doesn't like that. No. LeBron, it, it, he saw dysfunction in Cleveland these past couple years, yeah. and I think he's looking for a team that will be a lot more sound like leadership wise and um and yeah i think that will kind of eliminate the 76ers and i don't think lebron wants to do like the sixers are on the verge of being really good potentially and i don't think lebron would necessarily want to play like he would never play second fiddle any of them and i just think that if he's gonna go somewhere it's gonna be a sure bet yeah he's gonna get to the finals again and to me, like, I mean... He's got to stay in the East as well. That's something that we haven't said he yet. He could but stay in the East. But he's going to. Honestly, going to Houston, joining one of his banana boat buddies <laughs> and Chris Paul, 
And you talk about a team with stability. They have a team full of veterans. Mike D'Antoni is a great coach. He knows what he's doing. Um, but other than that, I mean, what, what, what other East team would we be talking about? Maybe the Celtics? That wouldn't make a lot of sense. No. But, and then maybe the Heat? Yeah, the Heat could potentially make it work with, like, their cap and stuff. And then you could have, like, a LeBron, I'm coming home, but also to the Heat. <laughs> like, leaving Cleveland. I'm coming back. That, that's what he would announce. It's just, like, I'm coming home. But I would say I, I don't think LeBron is going to leave the East just because he wants to make the finals, like, as much as possible, which really helps the Cavs more than anything that the Cavs are doing, I think. Mm-hmm. And just, like, the having their uh, cap space and all that already. Um, but... The only place I think he would go in the West would be to the Lakers. Just because it would be LeBron has always been just a star. And if this is going to be his last like mega contract or something, if I imagine LeBron's probably looking for somewhere that he wants to finish his career, even though he does have a lot of time left. Because he does have like a family and stuff. And yeah. he doesn't seem like a guy that wants to be playing like one year, two years, different places. I don't think he wants to be like a mercenary like player chasing championships. Yeah. So I think he's going to look for somewhere to to have the last like good portion of his career and LA would be a perfect place for him to do that and then once he retires you just stay there and keep doing Is that assuming everything. that Paul George signs with the Lakers before he does? I it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. I just think the way the roster's constructed now, I don't know if LeBron would want to go, but uh, for the East, also, I think a good option may be the Indiana Pacers if they were able to pick up another free agent. Yeah. Or maybe the Pelicans. The I, Pelicans are set up really well. I would like that. That would be interesting. Anthony Davis and LeBron on the same team. That's such a – who? how would you guard any of that? You couldn't. And you then, couldn't. you know, Drew Holiday already had and Tyreek Evans already had really good seasons, respectively. So he would have somebody to handle the ball for him yeah. so he doesn't have to be the point guard. I saw something today I like – you just see it and you remember it and you're like, oh, crap. And then you forget about it for like a while and then you see it again and you're like, oh, my God, it's so terrible. And the draft where the Cavs took Anthony Bennett and it was – a somebody posted a picture on Twitter and it was just all the other spots in the draft were blacked out except Cavs, Anthony Bennett, and then uh, – Giannis Antetokounmpo to the Bucks at like 10 or what 15 or whatever he got picked and it was just like what if like if that had <laughs> happened LeBron would would definitely obviously be staying in Cleveland you'd have two of like the craziest freak basketball players well they could have also had Anthony Wiggins or Andrew Wiggins yeah instead of Kevin Love mm-hmm. people forget about that I feel like that's a trade they probably wish yeah, they didn't make I agree Kevin Love did do I mean, relatively well in the Kevin one Love finals did, they won. They won a championship. Yeah, exactly. And Kevin Love was a part of it, so they mm-hmm. got what they needed out of it. Yeah. But Kyrie leaving just throws a whole wrench in this whole thing. Because I just, I feel like he can't go to Boston. Just because Kyrie? Just because of Kyrie. I feel like they don't hate each other that much. I mean, they hate each other enough for him to leave a team. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think that they still hate each other that much. I, I feel like they kind of have gotten over it. I mean, maybe after the Uncle Drew thing goes through, he'll feel liked enough that yeah. he won't be so self-conscious anymore and he'll play with LeBron. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it... The Celtics with LeBron would be damn near unstoppable. Yeah. With Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. I don't even know, like, 
It's pretty ridiculous because when we talk about free agency, we usually have to mention cap room. Mm. But I don't. That's never an issue in the NBA. Somehow. Yeah, with their never a problem. Yeah, they have. They just do the luxury tax. So yeah. it's like if your if your owners are going to be willing to pay like whatever the ridiculous percentage is extra to the league, then they'll just do it. And I think there's there's like a cap on that too. But it's like. What like it's so high that you yeah. can have like three? It's like three maxes is what you can do. Yeah. So, um, so that just makes a lot of teams with good owners, which that kind of surprises me. How like the Mavs are never in these conversations? Why wouldn't Mark Cuban want LeBron? It's true. I feel like with Dirk being gone, everyone just views that team as being shit. I know, but I'm just saying, like, why doesn't or but not just LeBron, they were for a little, but like, while, yeah. but like superstars in general, I feel like would want to would kind of want to be around Mark Cuban. Well, that's the know. way it was. I mean, Vince Carter was there, Jason Kidd was there, yeah, Rick Nash was there. So for a little bit, mm-hmm. it was like that, yeah. But like ever since Dirk got old, and like, I feel like. Like, the players just don't like Mark Cuban for some yeah. reason. Like, I, I think, like, I don't know much about him personally, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, as an owner, he's fun, kind of like a, a Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. But I can see there being disagreances, and right now their roster's all just messed up. Yeah, their roster's... Are- so I feel like a, a, eventually they'll be able to lure some people in there, but right now they're just kind of so far down the shitter that nobody Oof. can even see them. Yeah. But that uh, that's Destination LeBron, basically. Um, going into the next season, obviously the Warriors are going to be the favorite. The Rockets will be good again. Um, I expect, I feel like the Wizards have to make some sort of change going into next year. Otherwise, they're just going to have the same result. Well, that's what I Ernie don't know Grunfeld what that change likes. would be. Fire Ernie Grunfeld. Fire Ernie Grunfeld. We did a, on Sirius the other day, we did a top five list of the worst GMs ever. Ernie Grunfeld was on my list. Nice. So. Yeah, luckily he wasn't. Was Bruce Allen. Yeah, Bruce Allen was also on that list. You could literally just do it of DC GMs, probably. Michael Jordan would be on that list too. Kwame Brown. Mm-hmm. That would be my only argument. <laughs> Kwame freaking Brown. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, Golden State Warriors are champs again, three times in four years. I sound like a broken record. This is stupid, and Boy. KD ruined the NBA. Yep. And this would be where John would come in and place like a different tune to this whole thing saying that's great his twitter has been infuriating to me he's muted with with all the anti-lebron things that's been going on i'm not surprised it's just like i don't understand like why he hates lebron so much it's because he He won't even admit it it's because michael jordan went to unc that's literally all it is if michael jordan went Uh, michael jordan went to duke he would be a LeBron fan. That's I promise true. you. That's true. It's it's so true. And uh, I did see one good tweet that that made me feel a little better. And it said, um, like the original tweet was like Michael Jordan gif, like laughing. And it said, uh, it said your goat has gotten swept in the finals twice. And then it, w- it was quote tweeted, and it said your goat has gotten swept in the first round twice. Nice. I did <laughs> so, see that one. I think Walker retweeted. Yeah. So of course this d- uh, doesn't solve anything in that debate again. Like it's I, just like LeBron is really just one title away from the debate being over. So I'm no, starting to get irritated. No, and here's what I think about that is that debate with the people who are Michael Jordan fans like. John and stuff, they're not going to... If, if if LeBron won this series, 
they would still be saying Michael Jordan is better because he doesn't that. have six. No, I promise you, Josh, these people only care. These people. These people. <laughs> the John Harrells. You're pointing at the empty I'm, chair. I'm literally pointing where John would be sitting right now. They don't care about any other like information. They don't care about watching the game and seeing that LeBron can do things on the court and affect the game in ways Michael Jordan cannot and make his teammates um, play better. Like, Michael Jordan could not have carried those bums to a finals. No. Those bums would not be in a finals. Michael Jordan Michael didn't have the physically dominating presence to do that. Like, Jordan would probably have scored 50 a game. Don't get me wrong. If Jordan played with those bums, he would have scored 50 he a game. He would have shot 60 times Exactly. A game and the, they would have scored, like, 80, 90 points total. Yep. Like, Jordan would have got his, but they would have done. They would have been even worse than they were already, and that was just a mess. And we're talking about LeBron also averaging over 30 points, 9 boards, and 10 assists through yep. the four-game series. So it's not like LeBron didn't do pretty much everything that there is to do in basketball, mm-hmm. uh, almost averaging a triple-double in a losing effort. So just saying. But, I mean, I've, I've thought LeBron has been the best for a long time. And, you know, part of that, I understand the argument from the people over the age of 30 mm-hmm. – because they were able to watch Michael Jordan their whole lives. I didn't watch, Le- I didn't watch any of Michael Jordan, no. so I don't know. So I'm always going to be on LeBron's side. But for people that are younger than that that didn't watch Michael Jordan, it kind of makes you wonder why. Mm-hmm. Um, and another interesting stat I saw, uh, and Durant had a really great postseason, um, had the best postseason of any Warriors player. He passed Steph's 2015 postseason, which was, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. Which I was surprised to see, to hear that, that he passed Steph's point total in that season, or that postseason, just because he was so good then. Um, that's just how good KD was and definitely deserving a finals MVP this year. Yeah. Um, but he had the most points in a finals for a sweep since Shaquille O'Neal in uh, – 2002, Shaq had 145 points in a sweep. Durant had 115. And I also was just, like, looking for Shaq was literally getting all those buckets, like, five feet from the rim. Mm -hmm. What does that happen? And with Kobe on the team. But also, like I said, Shaq had 145 in 2002. LeBron had 136 this year. So, um, in a losing effort, of course, but... um, I, just, I found that pretty interesting for perspective. It was very interesting. So we're going to put to bed the NBA now. We'll be back next season um, with less drama and less or more predictability, I'm sure, with LeBron moving. Uh, it depends where he goes. But expect the Warriors to win next year until anything changes, folks. And I want to say one more thing just because it was crazy to me. JaVale McGee actually did pretty good. He had a really good game three. He he, he was okay in game four. He had a pretty good finals for a He definitely he helped is. out like the 6% of people that took him on DraftKings. Yeah. He did so. his job for that. So I'll give a shout out to that because yeah. I had him in one of those games. So yeah. I got some love. Um, but he was still a terrible wizard. <laughs> Freaking JaVale McGee. Uh, so we'll move on now to our next champion. Uh, we're getting to Mr. Kanye West, the newest <laughs> champion, and I think that just because, and I'll put it into a metaphor because I'm hungry, Kanye West is the Chick-fil-A of music. Chick-fil-A, a couple of years ago, said what they wanted to say about the homosexual community, and people said they would go out of business. People said they would boycott them. 
Chick-fil-A is so fucking good <laughs> that people buy it anyways. People yep. buy their chicken anyways because the product is so good. Gay people do. But, yeah. Gay people I know buy gay Chick-fil-A. people that work at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does not matter what you say. People love Chick-fil-A. Kanye West is no exception. Yep. A couple of, or I guess it was just a month ago, he started endorsing Trump. He had questionable comments on slavery. And again, <laughs> Kanye was canceled. Here we are about a week and a half after his album dropping. I have not heard a peep of negative reception on social media about Ye. Have you? I like it. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. The only things that I've seen that are negative are just, like, people saying that they'll never listen to it. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's, I saw a couple people just said that that was, like, like, it was just, like, average for them. But it was, like, average Kanye for them, which average Kanye is still... It's better than average. It's better than rap. most people's yeah. music. So, like, that's still not a negative comment. They just said it was, like, on par with what they would yep. expect. So, yeah. I I like it. It's I don't know what it's doing numbers wise, but I imagine it's doing really well. I mean, right now it was stream. All seven songs were streaming at the top of Apple Music. It's number one on Spotify in like twenty three countries. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the world has listened to it. It's been a success from a monetary standpoint. Um, Isn't today Kanye's birthday or yesterday? Yesterday it was yeah. Rick and Morty made a birthday song for Kanye. Did you listen <laughs> no. to it? Oh, dude, it's so funny. It's like. In a in a blanket statement, you're gonna want to listen to it because it includes Rick dry humping Kanye, <laughs> so it's it's really funny. Um, I guess Justin Roiland and Kanye are buddies now, but yeah. So his birthday was yesterday, but Ye came out. It was soulful. It was vulgar. At times, it was dark and very very bleak. Um, you know, I've had fun. You know, just reading through all the Reddit forums. When they, you know, everybody initially thought that the opening track I thought about killing you was about killing Kim, but upon further reflection, he makes a big point of being bipolar throughout the album. So I think it's about himself. Mm-hmm. I think he thinks about killing himself, and he's like playing a whole, you know, two way thing. Um, but you know, that's probably, you know, the least popular song on the whole album. From it's there, very thought provoking. That like it's. Yeah. I understand it being the least, po- like, definitely, obviously, the least popular. Like, you're not going to put it on in the car and be like, just cr- cruising with I the windows down. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a nice 70 degree day. I'm going to put my windows down and listen to some premeditated murder. Yeah, but because but it was more almost like a poem, and it was definitely you could see I hear it in his voice. Also, that it was very like, like introspective. Yeah. Like he was like he wasn't just saying that. And I like at one point too where he was like. And this is a part where people would say, like, I'm struggling with loving myself. That's not the case. That's not it. <laughs> so, that is, yeah. yeah. He, he always just has those things where he just has to while out. So he does that, and then he goes on to Yikes, and he talks about some dude getting me would which is just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I love that line a lot. Um, from there, i got to pull up the track list because it's still been so early I haven't quite memorized the order, but I have listened to it probably 30, 40 times already because it's just, it's like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. So like, you can get it through it like really, really quickly. Yeah, I thought it was funny too that uh, he brought that up because Russell Simmons was one of the people who criticized Kanye for everything that he was saying. Yep. He was like, and then, but at the same time, he was like, 
getting accused of yeah. like sexual harassment. Yeah, it's, like, it's just like well, Kanye's just saying like some crazy stuff, but he's not actually like hurting anybody like you just did. Oh yeah, and then we got Oh Mine, which is probably the cleanest flow of the album. Yeah. Rap wise. Uh wouldn't leave. Very good, very heartfelt soul. This is you know, this is one of those albums where Kanye is Kanye. He puts through like we said, he's got the soul samples throughout the album. That's why I've always liked Kanye so much, is he's just a very good student of music history. Mm-hmm. So he always knows what strings to pull and how to go through it. Uh, no Mistakes is really good. That's like probably his most candid song of his whole career. How he was just talking about how everything was going wrong and, you know, that it's been a terrible year. He's got gray on his beard, you know, but now he's up again. Ghost Town is probably the best track on this album. Oh, brings through Kid Cudi. One more thing about that previous track, too. He also brings up, because I don't know if you remember, there was, like, a lot of people saying that Kanye was, like, in really bad debt for a while. Yep. And that was never really verified or anything. But in that song, he does, like, say, yeah, like, I had debt on the books or whatever he yep. said. Yep, he had uh, debt on the books. It's been a shaky-ass year. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to Ghost Town, this was a prelude to Kid See Ghost, which we're about to talk about. Uh, briefly, because I know you haven't listened to it yet, so I'll just talk about it a little bit. But Ghost Town is probably through and through his best album, or best song on the album, or I guess the LP, since it's only seven songs. Uh, Brings in Cuddy, gets a little bit of Cuddy humming going on here. Um, (laughs) The Closing, and I forget the name of the artist, I think it's 070 Shake is the guy who does it, but The Closing Hooks, where it's just repeated and repeated again, where he just says, nothing hurts anymore, I feel kind of free. Mm-hmm. We're still the kids we used to be. Those are the classic Kanye, just simple lines that get thrown into a chorus that get people to listen to it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, uh, that, it's a great song, I could listen to it forever. Uh, and then the song ends with an interesting twist with Violent Crimes. I was expecting something to be upbeat, but it's actually a dad's ballad to his daughter. And he talks a lot about North, uh, his five-year-old daughter, through most of it. And pretty much the, you know, hypocrisy of what it's like to be a black male and how black males treat females until he has a daughter. And now he realizes that, for a lack of a a better word, that African-American males are crazy and my daughter needs to be careful out there. Mm -hmm. Because I think he says that they're nuts and stuff like that. So I thought that was an interesting thing to have at the end just because, you know, Kanye has been so, like, provocative through most of his career. And the rap community as a whole doesn't, you know, respect women, like, Mm -hmm. at all. So And just being, like... And he says, like, uh, the pervs all on the net. Like, yeah. when people got all their phones, like, hacked into yeah. at a, at that one, like, award show or whatever, and everybody's nudes got put up yeah. on that, like, website or whatever. And I, I think he's, you know, he pretty much saw firsthand both the Jenner girls basically yeah, grow up around him. And then once they became 18, 19, 20 years old, there was just this explosion of sexual energy going on and, mm. like... You know, people are always trying to threaten them or rape them, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these, you know, crazy people on the Internet. So I think he's basically seen that firsthand, how it's going to go down. So this is kind of like a preconceived notion that he's thought of himself. Mm -hmm. 
But overall, I'll do it out of five. Again, we did the we did Daytona out of five. I think this album is a four out of five. Um, like you said, it's it's like average Kanye. It's not the college dropout. It's not my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. But with that being said, that is fine. Yeah, that is you know those two albums and graduation. Those are albums that are timeless for Kanye. It's hard to replicate an album like that. And we're talking about a guy who is now 41 years old. How many other rappers are in their 40s still making legitimate music? Mm-hmm. Not very many. John would say Jay-Z right now. No, but Jay-Z's not. <laughs> I mean, like, 444 is okay, mm-hmm. but it, it had, like, two songs that I'll still listen to. Yeah. It's not as deep. OJ. Um, yeah, OJ <laughs> is really the only one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and Dr. Dre has put out one album in, like, the last ten years. Yeah. And that was, like, barely him. He put it together for NWA's new movie. Yeah. It's a good album. I like mm-hmm. Compton. I liked it a lot. Um, and I don't think it's 2 Chains 40 yet. I don't I th- think he's 40 yet, is know. he? I think so. But, like, 2 Chains was really the only guy who came to mind that was making legitimate music yeah. this long in his career. Because we're talking about... We've had Kanye for two decades Yeah, 2 Chains now. is 40. He's 40? Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't you don't think about that sometimes, but Goat. we've we've been talking about Kanye for twenty years now. He's been doing this mm-hmm. a long time. So just the just the sure fact, and I'll never expect him to make an absolutely terrible album. I still think Yeezus has some redeeming qualities. I liked it. Yeah, I mean it's got a time and a place mm-hmm. when you're listening to it, but you know with the eighth solo album now out for Ye. And I'm really liking the meme generator, too. I'm mm. using that for our soccer podcast with James. Um, pretty much being able to shoot whatever you want. Uh, I think it was overall a smashing success. And the fact that I haven't heard anything from John since it came out, I, I think his silence gives a little bit of consent for me. <laughs> I, yeah, wish he was, not, I wish he was I mean, there. obviously he would be picking apart something because I would have yeah. pissed him off already. Yeah. But he would have flip-flopped on me, <laughs> just like the whole LeBron thing. But with that being said, I was a big fan. Um, moving forward now in our champions discussion, we have Mr. Kid Cudi. Um, and I will be – I don't know if I will say Kid Cudi is back, but this is the best music Kid Cudi has made since Indicud, which for any Kid Cudi diehard – I don't consider myself a Kid Cudi diehard, but I know a lot of people that you know still love him and mm-hmm. they listen to all his shit music. <laughs> um, but this was Kid Cudi as we saw in Indicud, in Man on the Moon. Um, you, you can pretty much just see Kanye getting him back to the basics, getting him back into his rhythm. Uh, let me pull up the album. It's only seven songs as well, following a trend here. Um, so Kanye produced the whole thing? Yep. Is that like one of his... So how many of Kanye's like things on his whiteboard have he, has he gone through? Three. We have one left. There's only one we left? We have Nas's album. Okay. That's the last one. I thought that one has been done the longest. It has been. <laughs> I, I think this one might actually be more than seven songs. Yeah. But like, I guess you don't really know. But yeah, this album is 24 minutes. Um... It, this one's actually been done for a little while too. They were there were rumors about Kanye and Kid Cudi in Japan like a year ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, but this it has like a Japanese art sort of feel to it. Kid See Ghosts when we first heard about it sounded like a weird album. Now it kind of makes more sense. Um, it has its ups and downs. I'm not going to lie to you. 
Um, it's definitely worth the listen because, again, it's 24 minutes long, and there are one, two... I think there's four good songs of the seven that mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, re-listening ability. Um, the album starts out with Feel the Love, and Feel the Love is literally just, like, Kid Cudi humming choruses and, like, you know, just his flow through choruses. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere, some somehow, some way, the Yeezus spirit of the Yeezus album broke out of jail <laughs> and just flew onto the set because it's freaking nuts. Mm-hmm. It's literally Kanye just yelling. <laughs> it's insane. You have to listen to it. It gets me so jacked. But, yeah, no, it, the, it's a pretty crazy single, and then when it's over, you kind of, like, have to catch your breath a little bit. <laughs> so it moves on to Fire... Uh, I think Fire contains uh, one of Kanye's, um, you know, a couple of best verses on the album. Fourth Dimension is Kid Cudi's probably best individual contribution. Um, It leads with a soul sample. We'll play a little bit. Just a little bit of that. So it starts out with that, and then it kind of gets into it. But, like, this is one of the only few songs where Kid Cudi raps. Mm -hmm. He's not just doing the choruses. Uh, so I really like that. Free is weird. I've listened to it a lot. It's supposed to be the uh, sequel song to Ghost Town from Ye, which was really, really good. So I thought this would be good. This is like kind of an interlude song. It was mm. like if you staple it to the end, it's just like Kanye saying he's free like the whole time. <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh, Reborn. Reborn is the song. This is uh, the song I was talking about on the group me yesterday with Will. Um, this is the song that basically has the best narrative of the album. When Kid Cudi went in to rehab, he said he would come back and that he would be reborn and he would be a you know the artist he used to be. This song could fit on either one of the Man on the Moons perfectly in sync. Um, that's the level of quality that this song possesses. Um, this is another one of the songs too where Kanye is pretty candid. I was talking about he was off the chain. And, you know, just wiling out, stuff like that, pretty much just admitting to his mistakes. Kid See Ghosts is a little odd as well, but it's okay. Uh, some of these songs just have those, you know, weird feelings to them where I feel like Kanye and Kid Cudi were just in the studio a little too long, tweaking things a little bit too long. Uh, and then it ends with a Cudi montage, which is just, you know, all the Cudi fans getting a big old Woody and jerking themselves off. <laughs> so... It's definitely worth the listen, though. I would say this one is a three point uh, five out of five. Uh, I have I have trouble rating it any less just because the four good songs carry their way through the album. Kids see ghosts sometimes. Sometimes. Kids see ghosts sometimes. Yeah, I'll, I'll listen to that after we get done here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll probably I only have a half hour left, but I'll listen to it a little bit before I head out out of town, and then. I listened to it the entire way down 66 today as well, probably. Nice. So, yeah, Kids See Ghosts, go check it out. Um, but overall, Kanye, this whole unveiling has been very successful for yeah. it all being so short. Daytona was really good. It sparked a Drake beef that held everyone's attention for a long time. Ye was really, really good. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Everyone I've talked to really likes it. Um, and then Kids See Ghosts. And now we wait on the Nas album. Nas album done. Nas album done. It was <laughs> done during Major Key, and I was listening to that like three summers ago now. Yeah. Maybe maybe earlier. DJ Khaled has a new album since then mm-hmm. with his with his baby on mm-hmm. like the hot tub or whatever. Yep. <laughs> 
with I'm the One, which was the song of last summer. I'm the One. Regardless of what people tell you. Yes. It that, was the song of last summer. That was the best song. I still remember dancing on a table to it at, uh, at the beach. beach yeah. house. <laughs> Alright, so moving on our champions tour here, just like Kendrick Lamar and Top Dog Entertainment, uh, we're going to talk about the Washington Capitals and the champions. Those are words I swear to God I'd never thought I would say in my life. Me neither. Like, I thought past, like, 2014, 15, that the Caps ship had sailed. Because, you know, when we were kids going to high school, I thought, the, you know, every year the Caps had a team that could win the Cup. But, like, after some of the people left, which turned out to be the key, you know, Kevin Shattenkirk left, Justin Williams left, um... They won the Stanley Cup, and they did it in convincing fashion. Five games. Um, I think Vegas really just folded like a cheap suit through the whole thing as well. The Caps did a really good job of keeping the pressure. But yeah, the, the uh, Washington Capitals are Stanley Cup champions. I would like to take this moment uh, in memoriam of all my favorite narratives that are now <laughs> dead. Uh, the Ovechkin lifting the golf bag picture. Now it's just filled with, now it's a cup filled with clubs. Um, The Capitals uh, season cycle, the one on Twitter that's just like, Caps lose, utter despair, Caps pick up depth defensemen, it's our year. (laughs) Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, so that one's also dead. Uh, The narrative of Ovechkin shouldn't be the captain of the Capitals, that narrative is dead. Oh, Yes! That one's done fucking finally. That That one was the most annoying one that you had because I did not understand it at all. Ovechkin has always been such a good fucking leader, and that one pissed me off the most, so I'm glad that one's gone. Well, it really picked up steam after that year the Sharks got rid of Joe Thornton as their captain, and they replaced Mm -hmm. him, and it worked, and they went to the cup. So that was just like, well, maybe the Caps ought to do that. (laughs) But, like, all right, that narrative is now dead. There's just so many... So many of my, like, I'm glad that this honestly happened while we were adults, because if this would have happened in high school, I would have been so mad and pissed off. Remember when the Caps beat the Bruins in the playoffs and Adam and Tyler didn't come to lunch? That was a series. That was (laughs) one series. Now you guys are the Stanley Cup champions. And, like, I honestly, like, when it, if, you know, you told me a month ago that it was going to happen, I'd probably be mad. But I, like, spent time... Since Game 7 of the Lightning Series, like, day to day, just, like, accepting, like, the seven stages of grief, I was, like, accepting (laughs) what was going to happen. Because I thought the Caps were going to end up beating the Golden Knights. I thought it was going to be more games. But... Shit pump. I was just, I was, yeah. I was just slowly accepting it to the point where when it did happen, I was okay with it. Um, Winning Stanley Cups helps. I didn't want it to end to the Caps, but I'm okay. I'm at peace. And so... I obviously have a million things I want to address, but one of the first things I want to say is uh, it's funny you brought up Justin Williams and uh, Shattenkirk and stuff because that was one of the things that I thought was different about the Caps this year before the playoffs was that it seemed like, and obviously people were thinking this year was going to be Barry Trotz's last year, and Barry Trotz was thinking that too. So I felt like all year the Caps were kind of playing and coaching and like the GM and everybody was doing it like, all right, this is what we got, like, we we built this team up to be this team, like, this is what we envisioned, and now we're just going to, we got our chips on the table, and we're just going to play with who we have, and we're going to try to put the best lineup out there, 
whether it's like Grubauer having to come in for a good stretch of the regular season and Holtby wasn't on his best, and then whether now it's benching Grubauer going into the uh, after going into game three of the first round. So I just felt like it was a lot of just like going with your gut and not like overthinking well, yeah. anything. And that was the whole thing. You overthink things when you know the moment is almost too big and that's i think part of the problem was the media narrative for mm-hmm. the caps over the years is that this team's really good why haven't they won yet and like and the, when we would go get like the Justin Williams or the Shattenkirk at the deadline or Oshi yeah. it was almost kind of like and then it was are just we like panicking? okay it was just like if you don't win then you fail yeah so like and as athletes can talk as much as they want about outside like outside expectations not affecting them they do. Mm-hmm. If you are constantly looking over your shoulder and knowing that if you don't win, you're a failure, that's tough to deal with as an athlete. And, you know, the, I think, you know, the biggest thing is you. I like to look at body language. You could look at Ovechkin's body language throughout the series. And, you know, af- after the Penn series, it was like he exercised a demon. After the, uh, after the two goals from Burakovsky from Tampa Bay in Game 7, it looked like he, you know, lost 50 pounds. And then when they finally won the cup, and you know, I don't think he's been sober for 48 hours, but that's no. in the gritty finish whether or not hockey players are the best drinkers in all sports. It's an obvious yes. yes. <laughs> um, but the body language of the team was just so much more relaxed mm-hmm. after they cleared the hurdle of the Penguins and then they went to Game 7 it was almost like they had never had a doubt against mm. the Lightning, yeah. which was weird because they were down 3-2. to two, But at no point in that series did I feel like it was over. Yeah, the Caps were – that was one thing that carried them through the whole playoffs and was their attitude towards any type of, of like, setback. Yeah. They were just like, like, okay, we're down 0-2 against Columbus. Fuck it, we're going to win anyway. And that's what, like, Barry Trotz and Ovechkin Ovech went to Barry Trotz's office and they talked about that. And that's what they said. They were like, we're not only going to win the series, we are going to win the whole thing. Yeah. That's what they said after being down 0 2 in the first round. And isn't it crazy that that game three goal was just a puck luck bounce off Lars Eller's foot that saved the series from going 3 0 in favor of Columbus? Mm-hmm. I mean, you tell me that the hockey gods wanted something to happen. I mean,. And people say that you should keep luck out of sports, but like I'm sure now you know no. that winning the Stanley Cup takes so much luck. luck. It takes skill. It takes you know happenstance. It takes big plays that are unexpected from players that don't usually have them, like Smith Pelly. Yeah. Smith Pelly. It takes so much to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, Devontae Smith Pelly. To all fall together. There needs to be two trophies given out at the end of the Stanley Cup. Playoffs besides well besides the cup they need to give out the Con Smythe yeah. and now they need to give out the Devonte Smith Pelly <laughs> and the Devonte Smith Pelly goes to a player no it goes to the player who was like a nobody their whole yeah. career and then comes out and just balls out in the playoffs Smith Pelly had hold on, I think it's seven goals in the playoffs and he had ten all season like he had seven goals and and an assist and he had two game winning goals. Like, and he, who is who is Devonte Smith Pelly to ninety percent of hockey fans before the, the Stanley Cup playoffs? He played for the Devils. That's exactly. All I know. And then there's like, and then like Brett Conley. He had a great playoffs. He had six goals um, and three assists as well. And he was a guy that kind of got 
just like discarded by uh, his previous team. He was with uh, was he with the Lightning or oh, I can't I remember know. who he was with. He was with the team before, and they just kind of let him go. He didn't ask for that much money to stay, and they were like, ah, eh, we're not really uh, with you. And then Lars Eller. Uh, just amazing playoffs again. He had one b- really bad game, and but other than that, when he had to fill in for Backstrom, when Backstrom got injured, um, and then Kuznetsov, whenever he got hurt ag- against the Knights, I thought he broke his wrist. I did too. Like he was in so much pain, and just the way he was holding it, and like to, c- coming out of the game and staying out of the game the rest of that time, it was just like he he's yeah. done. So it was just those guys like. Whenever the Caps fans were thinking in the previous years, it was everybody was always blaming like uh, the other stars. Not Ovechkin was never the player that really got the blame, but people were like, "Where the hell's Backstrom? Where's Carlson? Yeah. Why didn't Holtby stand on his head like the other guy did?" But and but this year it was like not only did Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Backstrom when he wasn't hurt and Carlson, not only did they get theirs, yeah. the other guys got theirs Before too. The cast, that's it, what it, takes. it was a complete effort in. Especially the Stanley Cup series, but the whole playoffs that they had to show a lot of resilience. And then I felt like this cup was just it all coming together, and they were just like, "All right, we've done it all. Now let's run through the finish line. Like sprint through the finish line. We went through a marathon. Let's turn it on right now." And Vegas just—I feel like Vegas is was that snotty rich kid who had Spoiled. everything go their way all mm. season long, but then the second something gets. Second, daddy's credit card gets taken mm-hmm. away. Things go bad real fast. Yeah, and that's just like the Golden Knights had a very good team, and they had moments where they probably could have even the series, and luck wasn't on their side. Like James Neal missing a wide open goal, stuff like that. But they hope just did safe. not. Yeah, hope he's safe. They just did not have the character in the locker room, which we were expecting to take over all season long. Mm-hmm. It just literally happened in the freaking Stanley Cup. Yeah. And it says I, I'm honestly, you know, happy now that the narrative is over that a expansion team didn't run the table their first year because that would have made Major League Hockey look really, really bad. Mm-hmm. But it also, to me, gives the narrative that we need to stop talking about the West being the better of the two conferences now. Correct. Because the East now owns the last three Stanley Cups. They have teams like the Caps and the Penguins and, and the, the Lightning. Lightning. And they have teams that are going to be better, like the Devils. Bruins with Taylor are Hall. The Bruins will get better. I still I don't know about the Bruins just because they lack so much speed. Yeah. But with that being said, when you look at the West, all these teams that were supposed to be good, Nashville is supposed to be a good team. They got beat by Winnipeg, who was supposed to be a good team. The Knights skull-fucked all of them. Mm-hmm. They went through so easily that it was a little pathetic to me. Yep. I thought the Shark. Well, I thought the Kings were going to beat them because the Kings are a good team. They got swept. I thought the Sharks would win because they've been to a Stanley Cup. They lost in six. Then I thought, okay, the Jets have you know Connor Hellebach, who was the best goalie in the playoffs up to that point. They get beaten five. The and West is not as good as the East. Yeah. And I th- I think Winnipeg. And the Predators series. I still think Nashville is a great team. Exactly. Yeah. I think one of those teams would have put up a better fight against the Caps. Like, yeah. and I think the Caps would have been they would have a been lot a more, more conventional team. Yeah, than uh, than the Knights. I think the. Pre- I mean, I'm honestly just still surprised the Predators didn't get back to the Cup. Mm-hmm. That's a story for another time. But yeah, so it's all over. You now realize that being in the Cup is no fun at all until it's over. 
it's just stressful. <laughs> it's extremely stressful. Um, but now it's over, and we're talking about three years now where the Metropolitan Division has also earned the Stanley Cup. Yep, and whenever the that big uh, realignment happened previously, I was like, this is so unfair to have the Caps and the Penguins and uh, in the same... They're going to play each other again sport. next year yeah. in the playoffs. And I would like to and say the also... that. year after that. Whenever the uh, Penguins won their first cup of the set and they got to play the Capitals uh, to start the season, we better get to play the Penguins. And they, oh, better, yeah. they better have to watch us put up that fucking banner. <laughs> and they better have to watch us put in our rings. I want Sidney Crosby handcuffed to the chair while they size Ovechkin's ring. Ooh. And I want him to have to watch. I want him to sit there while they engrave his name on the cup. So that's what I want. Well, it'll to see. be engraved before that. Well, no, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I want him to sit there and watch. Uh, you want to be? You want him there with the old guys with yes. the tools? Yes. Yes. I want him to watch. <laughs> I want, the, or at least, them to periscope it and make him watch it. I'll tell you what, man. Next season's going to be interesting now, with uh, you know all this talent coming back. Oh, we're going to win maybe thirty games. I don't know if... Dude, gonna, I, I didn't want to say it, but I feel like the cup <laughs> hangover for Ovechkin and the Caps is going to be something Ovechkin real. will be lucky. He will have his lowest goal production of his entire career next year, and I promise you that. He will be lucky you to You guys will make the playoffs, though, just because that's what happens. Yeah. But, Ovi, yeah will no, be, I agree. Ovi will be lucky to get... I didn't want to be the one to say it. I didn't no. want to rain on the parade. We're not going to stop drinking until, this, <laughs> until they're like, wait, game. the first game of the season is... Tomorrow, I mean, like literally, <laughs> if they do what they're doing, they're gonna wake up and it's gonna be the fourth of July. Already. Yeah, and many or you know, training camp starts in the beginning of September. Mm-hmm. They're not stopping anytime no. soon. The, all the videos have just been electric. So much. Yeah, so no, much I, I was thinking that, and also the more than likely departure of John Carlson won't help the equation. Yeah, because I was looking, at, you know, what what a defenseman gets paid, just because you know hockey figures are a little different from everything else, but. Uh, P.K. Subban right now is making $9 million annually. He's the mm-hmm. highest paid one. And then guys like Eric Carlson make seven. Uh, but he, he got signed six years ago. Shout out to the Senators for yeah. locking him up on a nice contract. But then Shea Weber makes eight. Crystal Tang's not even good anymore, and he makes seven. Yeah. So John Carlson's probably going to command a $9 million a year salary. I haven't poured over the stock options for the Caps, but T.J. Oshie having to take a discount must say where they're at cap-wise. Mm-hmm. So the loss of John Carlson won't help anything, but, yeah, it's it's tough to be, like, motivated. Yeah. You need, you know, the same people. And that's, like, Ovechkin is a good leader, but, like, after what has happened, it might take a month or two for him to be like, okay, I'm only 33 years old or 32 years old. Mm-hmm. I got to try and do this again. Yeah. No, I think they will, like, they, they will realize, like, oh, this is awesome. We need to try to do this again. At some point, it hasn't happened yet, but I think it will happen. Um, but also, another thing that they have to think about, maybe before worrying about who's going to play, is if Barry Trotz is going to be the coach that or not too. next year. There's a lot of questions going around a team who just won a title. Because that hasn't even been discussed. Like, they haven't talked about it at all. Like, Barry Trotz has been too drunk to have contract negotiations. So, I don't. And. I don't know, and I'm sure he hasn't even gotten to think about it really with a clear head and reflect on what he wants to do. No. Like, But I imagine if you're a coach of a team that just won the Cup, you are going to want to come back. I, feel like I you- think that the only way 
he seriously considers leaving is I've heard a lot of rumors about Nashville wanting him back. Well, and, and I, I think that would be hard to turn down. Well, I've heard about Minnesota with their uh, with having their whole group, like his old group from Nashville, is now yeah. in Minnesota, and them wanting to have like a reunion up there. That's so possible. Those are the only like I can't see Barry Trotz like because he's definitely not like he's not going to for a long time. Exactly, man. but he is an older coach, and he's like he's up there in uh, in like active wins and career wins for coaches. Uh, he has like a very respectable he's been record for a long time. And this. And having a couple on his resume definitely helps. So I think that's the only thing he would be looking for is a team that could uh, contend, which would be which the Predators would fit that mold. I don't know much about the Wild at all. Well, I mean, the Wild have aging stars. They have Ryan Suter. They have Zach Parise, mm-hmm. Miko Koivu. People. Like I think that. The, that would be a bit more of a project. Matt Dumba. Uh, their goaltending is okay, but yeah, I mean, the Wild made the playoffs. Do they still have the other Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, I don't think so. Damn. I think he's gone. Uh, they also have Eric Stahl, who somehow had 35 goals this year. <laughs> don't understand how that... This was a weird year in hockey mm-hmm. in general, man. Just a weird year. Um, but yeah, looking for... Or actually, that's in the gritty finish, so we'll talk about that when we get there. About our favorites for the 2019 Cup. Um, anything else you want to add about the Capitals before we hit the finish? Um, I, yeah, I would like to say, because I was down there after the... Or during Game 5, and... It was just a really great crowd and good showing for Capitals fans. Like very nonviolent. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a lot of like just proud people, and I felt like the the mood during, well, the mood leading up to the game was just very tense. Yeah. Like, like people were trying to start chants every once in a while. Like we, because we were at the bar lined up. It didn't open till four. We were there at three yeah. thirty, waiting to get in. And once we were in there, it was packed immediately, and line was wrapped around the block for the entire game. Yeah, I honestly thought so, you guys were going to have to wait two more days. Yeah, I thought the Knights were going to win Game Five. Yeah, so it was just uh, the, uh, the crowd was but at very. Least we were there for a reason. Yep, the crowd <laughs> was very very tense, um, and it just the time just dripped by could not have gone any slower and um and just once the game started uh the crowd was into it everybody was like you couldn't you wouldn't have guessed that the game was being played halfway across the country or the entire way across the country because it was just so electric out there and um just i and dc is a pretty like like law-abiding town like you have to be like the cops are relatively like strict there and stuff but it was like it was a lot of drinking out on the streets and stuff, which is usually not tolerated. You better so was, not tell me to stop. Exactly. But then I'll get violent. Maybe was, that's why there wasn't any yeah, violence. They were letting people drink. Yeah, because <laughs> usually in D.C. that kind of stuff doesn't fly, but it kind of looked like the cops were just like, all right, nothing bad has really happened, so we're just going to let them have yeah. their fun. Let them and, do their petty crimes. Yep, and they just let us like drink our beers in the street or whatever you, you wanted to do. And, uh, and there was a lot of... Cannabis being enjoyed. That's what I heard. The yeah. NBC people that were reporting, because I watched was, some of the after coverage, yeah. they said that the gallery place steps just reeked of weed. Yeah, we literally stepped, like, because we watched the first two periods in uh, a Penn Social, great host of us. We got to sit right next nice. to the uh, the owner. We got, like, the best seat in the house. It was an awesome, awesome time in there. $20 pitchers during a Caps game in nice. D.C. Where are you going to find that? It's so, five bucks a beer. Yep, so we, we enjoyed that. Um, and we stayed there till the second period ended, and of course, the Caps were losing at that time. Yeah. And uh, 
shout out FP Santangelo. We were like, hey, we need to switch seats. Everybody's got to switch seats. So we just were like, we're leaving. So we left, went out and watched from the main watch party. And as we started walking towards it, and you just get hit with, like, the wall of weed smoke. It was yeah. so... It was really funny, actually. Like, my mom was like, wow, this is, like... They're not kidding about it being legal here now. And I was like, no, I guess not. Like, it was it was not hidden at all. That's funny as shit. But, yeah, and then once everybody was in the crowd, like, the only thing I saw that was kind of, like, rude, but it was because of what the people did also was rude. Somebody climbed up on one of the, uh, like... Light uh, the stoplight control mm-hmm. boxes, and then there were people behind the control box who then couldn't see. So they were trying to yell at them, but of course they weren't listening. So they started to throw empty beer cans at them. <laughs> but then they got the message and turned around. They're like, "What the fuck?" And then it was like, "Hey, get down! We can't see." And they're like, "Oh, okay." So it was like it worked. You know, it was yeah. it was kind of not the nice way to do it, but it was effective and it didn't start a fight. Like they realized, like, "Oh, this is kind of a dick move." So yeah. then they got down. And we were out there for Smith Pelly tying it up, and that was just insane. And then we were out there again when for Lars Eller's winner, and just the whole crowd counting down, and then uh, just celebrating. And then no one really moved until we saw the cup come out, because mm. I feel like people were still kind of waiting for something to go wrong. Like, even when they had the pu- they had to drop the puck with .7 seconds yeah. left. Like, a lot of people were celebrating. And I was just like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not doing like they haven't been down this road. Yeah, before. it's like I don't know what's gonna happen. So, like it was just a lot of people were waiting, and it was like almost disbelief. And then once it kind of hit everybody, like it really, I don't think hit everybody right when the clock hit zero. No, it, it, hit everybody it doesn't at hit you until that asshole Gary Bettman goes yeah. out with the cup and talks for too long. Yeah, and then he finally says, "Hey, come grab this cup." And yeah. then it's not even when they grab it; it's when they put the cup. In the air, it's official. Yeah. That's when it's official. And it's just, and like, the crowd, whenever we won and stuff, like, people were just like chanting for Ovechkin. And people were, I, I promise you, Caps fans are just as happy for Ovechkin as they are the entire franchise. Yeah. That is, that is the mood because everybody is tired of just his legacy getting shit on for his entire career by fuckers like you. R.I.P. And, and then, and people like Michael Wilbon, did you see what he said? Dude, now? He's already irrelevant. I'm, I'm glad you're like, I haven't liked Mike Wilbon for a while now. He's, you know tur- he's turning everyone against he's him. He's an ass, dude. And he was, I've hated him since high school. And he was saying that, um, Ovechkin is not a generational talent and, um, having one cup isn't impressive because Crosby and, uh, and Patrick Kane have more. Yeah. And I'm sorry, 30 years from now, when you look back at hockey, you're going to remember Alex Ovechkin way more than you're going to remember Patrick Kane. I remember Jonathan Taves more than I remember Patrick Jonathan Kane. Jonathan Taves is definitely more <laughs> talented than Patrick Kane. Um, but yeah, people, like, I was like, come on, you're showing your Chicago fanboy so much right now, yeah. Michael Wilbon. So that yep. pissed me off. But yeah, it was just, there's a lot of relief, and then everybody was just high-fiving, and I saw some, like, there, of course, a lot of uh, homeless problem in D.C., and they, people were giving so much money to homeless people. Like, I'm not kidding you. I saw so many people Everybody literally just so reaching in their wallets and just, like, I saw somebody, uh, like, just walking through the, just giving people beers, just walking around just giving people beers out of their case. Like, it was just... There was a direct the, economic correlation yeah. to the Caps winning the Cup. People... It was a spike. Yeah, people were like... 
Riding on people's bumpers, like hanging on the top of their cars. Fire trucks. Yeah, people (laughs) riding on the fire trucks, and the firemen were like, "Yeah, like whatever. (laughs) What's the worst that could happen?" (laughs) Hopefully, there's not a fire. Yeah, hopefully, there's not a fire. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, so it was just a really good, just like it looked like a bunch of like kids at a birthday party running around. Like it was just happy. Like it was a really good, good time. I'm very proud, and I'm excited to see what the parade's gonna be like. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid the players might have to just be like they're gonna be like asleep on top of there if they Dude, don't get any rest. I know for the Penguins <laughs> one, a lot of them chose to walk because oh, they fell asleep. Yeah, that's what they said if they were in cars. <laughs> so like Justin Schultz and Ali Mata, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I showed you last summer. Like there was this like picture they like photoshopped Justin Schultz drinking a beer down like <laughs> Pennsylvania Avenue or whatever Main Street is uh. in Pittsburgh now. And they were, like, just photoshopping him on, like, the Great Wall of China. Like, they oh should start God. doing that with Ovechkin, but, yeah. like, when he was shirtless in those fountains yesterday. Yes. That's what they should just do. Just Ovechkin swimming through, like, yeah, famous yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be really funny. But, yeah, so you're going to see a lot of people more drunk at 11 a.m. than you probably ever have in your life. Yep. And uh, shout out Josh. He's going to be my DD. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there working, but uh, he's going to be there. It's a uh, I scratch your back. I get to ride. In the uh, the HOV lane, yep. uh, to sit in traffic. We have to listen to at least one Jay Z song though. Out well, of respect, I, that's like paying the troll. Talk. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta pay it. You're just driving through your radio, automatically clicks to a Jay Z song when you switch into the Hove yeah. lane. I got the keys. <laughs> <laughs> just goes through it automatically. John does not think that joke is as funny as I thought he would. I, I love I, it. Every it's... time I'm in the Hove lane, I send it. He's just like nice. <laughs> All right. All right. So that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, We'll talk about the gritty finish here, and then we'll get out of here. We have at least one more podcast. I'm trying to decide if we're going to have the U.S. Open with the World Cup. Maybe, maybe not. I have a lot of prepared for both, so definitely check it out either way. Um, So are we impressed by Triple Crowns starting out the gritty finish? Is that that something that we still think is a cool thing? So no for mainly two reasons. One of the reasons is because I just saw one like a couple years ago. Yeah. And... I felt like that was, like, those are supposed to be something you only see, like, once in a lifetime or, like, yeah. at least once in a generation. And then we just saw it again. And then also I saw a stat today. I think it was from that nerd, Darren Ravel. And it was, like, uh, if if this horse, uh, if Justify was racing against Secretariat in, like, the 50s or whenever Secretariat won, then... Um, Secretary would have beat it by 24 lengths. Like, why? So this is the this one can win three straight. Why is why is a horse from back then faster than a horse now? Exactly, it's like anti evolution. Yeah, can we? Do we really not figure out any like breeding or anything to make this better? And like, like. Shouldn't all the horses be faster in general yeah. instead of the winner who dominated? It's just dominated. like athletics. Everyone's gotten bigger and faster. Yeah. I was just upset that Gronkowski's horse didn't win. I yeah. thought that would have been fun. It got dead last. Did I think. it really? I, thought, I heard it got second. I haven't looked. Oh, well, there was if you one, want to check it out. There was one named Gronkowski. Yeah, yeah. The horse named Gronkowski yeah. was his horse. So I was Wait, He just, named it after himself? Yeah, the horse's name was Gronkowski. Oh, I just thought there was like a, a person named it after him. Nope. 
No, that's his horse. That is hilarious. I just wanted to see him. Oh, it did get second yeah, place. I just wanted to see him hammered <laughs> on NBC talking to Eddie Olchek or like, yes. uh, what's his name, Michael, uh, I forget his name, but just talking to one of those personalities hammered at like one of the most hoity-toity events in the world in Belmont, New York. I thought that would have been really funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah. I mean, I'm still impressed by a triple crown. It's supposed to be really hard, and I think, what, like only 13 horses have done it? Yep. All time? But I've seen two of them now, and That's I haven't true. cared for that long, so. Is justified <laughs> bad for horse racing? Yes. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> and also, did you see, uh, I think justifies uh, going to the White House. Nice. <laughs> I think he's like the first horse to ever he's, go. He's nonpartisan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Trump's got to fill the calendars now, because everyone's not coming to see him. So the caps will definitely go. The caps are 100% going. Yeah. Putin's also going to be there, I yeah. guarantee it. Um, I heard somebody, I think it was on uh, on part of my take, they were talking about uh, this has been like Ovechkin's like mission from Putin is to win the cup, and then now he's going to get invited to the White House. He has to put bugs everywhere. <laughs> and they got Kuznetsov on the team now to help That's him true. carry some more uh, like supplies in. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> when they had Varlamov and they did that like Russian spy thing on ESPN. Yeah. And when they dropped through the ceiling. Like, yes. What are you doing here, Ovi? And he just like zips up the ceiling. <laughs> uh, that would be good. Um, all right, so we're going to check in on the one and done challenge. Uh, if you could pull up the um, St. Jude Classic standing for me. Oh, yeah. But uh, John and I as players did not make the cut, so we will be making $0 this week in our one-and-done challenge, and I will introduce that to everyone. Uh, we're doing the one-and-done challenge. They do it at Sirius. I thought it was a really good idea. Uh, the three of us are going to pick a golfer every week, and then we cannot use that golfer at all for the rest of the golf season, which ends in, like, you know, December. So we have a lot of tournaments to get through. Uh, John went with Daniel Berger. He missed the cut at like under or three over. I went with Tony Finau. He missed the cut by one stroke, which was very annoying. And then Ryan went with Henrik Stenson, who I believed was tied for 22nd after yesterday, yep. and he's probably live right now. He, yeah, he's tied for 30th as of right now at minus three, and he has yet to finish up his round four okay. score. So Ryan will be putting money on the board. I'm, I assume that the purse for this tournament's not very large. So while Ryan does take a slight lead with the U.S. Open coming next week and the purse being He's currently two, times bigger. two over through 11 holes. Okay. He just double bogeyed the 10th. All right, but what we're saying through one and done is Ryan is going to take the lead this week. We'll I'll have a recap with it when John and I do the U.S. Open. Which means I know the most about golf as right, of right now, now. You do <laughs> through facts, and we like facts. Ryan knows the most about golf, so that's our one and done challenge. Check it out. Uh, we'll tweet a picture out of the spreadsheet uh, after the tournament is over. Um, a best ball scenario, since I just went through it, and I'd like your opinion, Ryan. I went with McCaffrey at the end of the day, but if you had the choice, would you go with Christian McCaffrey, Kenyon Drake, or Joe Mixon in a half-point PPR best ball scenario? Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, who was the other one you said? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Uh, those are tough. They're all probably, the same section. Yeah, I would probably go McCaffrey or Mixon. Because I feel, I feel like McCaffrey didn't show as much as he could have last year with his talent. Um, and Joe Mixon, I think, more performed to what I think his abilities are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would probably go with McCaffrey and then Mixon, then Drake. 
I really wanted to take Kenyon Drake, but really? I got. I mean, his only other competition is the 35-year-old Frank Gore. So, and then with McCaffrey, there's really no one else, and uh, Jeremy Hill is gone out of Cincinnati. So they all were very intriguing options. Mm-hmm. I'll probably end up regretting it either way. Um, <laughs> Antonio Brown has a weird day on social media. You want to comment on that? I didn't see it. What happened? Oh, what he was talking about wanting someone to pee on him. Oh, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> Fair enough. Moving on. Uh, your favorite for the 2019 Lord Stanley's Cup? Um, hmm. Prob- I mean, the... Easiest pick would probably be the Lightning. Yeah. But I would say... I like the Lightning. Just based off of what we saw this past playoffs, I would like to see the Jets. Jets would be fun. That would be fun. Uh, Blake Wheeler, good. Good at hockey. Very good. Confirmed. He's a stud. He is a confirmed he good hockey player. He won me a lot of money in draft games. Yeah. He's probably definitely one of my favorite Western Commons players. And isn't he an American? Yes. Yeah, so... Big fan of Blake Wheeler, and I I just like how Winnipeg is just like this little small town in Canada. Their stadium holds like 15,000 people, and it's just like electric, and I, I like it. All I'm right. Fan. Um, my obvious pick, I'm going to go with Nashville, but my hot take, I'm going to go with the Edmonton Oilers. Mm, I think this will be the year that the Oilers get all their shit together and they make a run to the cup. They have the offensive talent. I think they have a surplus of it. Getting rid of Taylor Hall was the most boneheaded thing of all time because mm-hmm. Taylor Hall by himself makes the New Jersey Devils a good hockey team. Um, but I think that the Oilers, and I've already put money down for next season, so it's a little bit of me and On the Oilers together. Yeah. Right now they have like, I think it was like 200 to 1 odds, so I put down 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like the Oilers. I like the talent. Connor McDavid was still great last year. It got overshadowed. He should not be MVP because his team was so bad. Agreed. Somebody mentioned that. Um, but I like the Oilers. Let's uh, talk about the Mo Bamba hype. Oh, Mo Bamba has been just picking up a lot of steam in the like NBA draft community lately, and um, I could see I, he's like skyrocketing up people's. Um, draft boards and stuff like people are thinking he might be the best player in the draft um he's super super raw still um and you could see that whenever he was with texas like the beginning of his season versus how he progressed but he also got hurt during last season which hurt which slowed his progression um but his length and just his defensive potential is like Amazing. He like his body and stuff reminds you of almost like a like a thinner like DeAndre Jordan or mm-hmm. something like that, just because he has so much length. But yeah, people think that it could be um, like well, like DeAndre Ayton is the obvious like number one pick, but like Mo Bamba's hype has just been like unreal lately. And there's a super hype song that I heard. It's like called Mo Bamba, I think, and um, you should listen to it, and it'll make you want to like. Like, beat up a bunch of people. Like, um, like be in a mosh pit and just start punching everybody in the whole world. So, yeah, definitely look for that. But Rudy Gobert has the longest wingspan in the NBA right now at eight and a half, and Mo Bamba would immediately be second. He is has a seven foot ten wingspan. Ooh, boy. So, 
very excited for that. I love wingspans. That's one of my Your favorite big stats. Guy. Huge wingspan guy, especially well only for basketball. I don't really care about yeah. for anything else, but for basketball, I love it just because it's like blocking and has become so much easier. Shooting sometimes becomes a little trickier because you have like weird arm leverage, but yeah, he is just really raw player and very exciting. I think Aiton will still go number one, but I like Mo Bamba a lot. Aiton probably has a really nice wingspan too. He does. All right, uh, Johnny Manziel finished his uh, CFL preseason, uh, you know, block. He went 12 for 20 for 88 yards and a touchdown. How do we gauge this game for Johnny football? Um, I literally have no idea. The Canadian football is so different from the NFL, and, like, the field is different shape. Like, I don't really know what our normal stats for that. Like, they might 12 for 20 sounds good. Yeah, exactly. 12 for 20 might sound, like, sounds good, but it might be, like, well, there's a lot more space, so maybe wide receivers can get open easier, and maybe, uh, like, you need a 70% completion percentage to be good, because I really have no idea. Or maybe it's uh, maybe it's lower, because Canadian football, it's not as skilled. So I don't really know what to compare it to, but I'm excited that he's playing football again. Yeah. And if it's on TV, I'm going to watch Me it. Me too. And I think if it's not on TV, like, in America very much, there needs to get, like, Facebook needs to get in on that because I know a lot of, like, Facebook Live sporting events do really well. Like, the TBT basketball tournament that's yeah. coming up, they do really good numbers um, on Facebook. And, like, whenever, like, they did, like, the Big Baller Showcase with Lamelo and LiAngelo um, and, like, they televised a bu- or Facebook live a bunch of their games, those got, like, really good numbers. So they need to figure out some way for, like, a lot of people to see Johnny Manziel. And I imagine with... Barstool and them working together. Yeah. That and like the Churnin might just go out there themselves. Yeah, like the Churnin Media Group and stuff. Like they'll. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna be figuring out ways to get Johnny Football in front of as many eyeballs as possible because people still care and are interested in him and people love a comeback story. So there you have it. Let's do it. Canadian football weird and confusing, but we like Johnny Football. Yep. Uh, Rogers can score also. Yeah. That's the most exciting part. Ryan will not be around for our World Cup podcast more than likely. So before the tournament gets underway, Ryan, who are your favorites for the 2018 World Cup? Brazil and Germany are my two favorites. Mm-hmm. I I just always like Brazil because I really liked Ronaldinho when I was a little kid. So that's why. <laughs> and Neymar is also one of the best players in the world. And that's usually you can bank on a best player in the world doing pretty good in a big stage. True. Um, Messi's carried a bad Argentinian squad. Exactly. So, and then Germany is just like a powerhouse. They are. They're, they're, they're like anti-Brazil. Yeah. They're anti-Fun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're anti-Fun, anti-Flair. Go two ends of the spectrum there. Yep. All right. Covering all bases. Uh, same goes for the U.S. Open at Shinnecock this Thursday. Who do you like at the U.S. Open? Oh, is, is this going to – hold on. Are we just saying who I like in general? Yeah, just who or, you like. Uh, this okay. isn't your one and done pick. You have longer to think about okay, that. Okay, so let's say. Who do, you, who do you like? Um, I obviously at front like Phil Mickelson because I want him to win the U.S. Open for the first time in his career. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of people. Tiger will be there. Brooks Kepka is the defending champion. Roy McIlroy, Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Well, if it's the U.S. Open, I want a USA player to win, obviously. Mm-hmm. So – that will limit my choices, but I would, um, yeah. So Phil's never won one before. No, it's the only major he hasn't won. I'm not gonna go with Phil, but 
I, you got Ricky Fowler is also yeah. American. Dustin, Dustin Johnson's, Johnson's been playing great, been playing, great golf yeah, right and now. He's, he's like leading this he's leading one right now. Jude, yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of, I think I might go Dustin Johnson. I mean, it's a good pick. He's yeah. playing really good ball right now. Um, there's a, always a couple of, you know, lesser known players that will compete, but that's not a bad idea. So, we'll put Ryan down for Dustin Johnson. Um, no, that's not my pick for the well, thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but just for I, right now. But yeah. I mean, you could pick him. I could. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I don't know if I want to. I feel like I want to save some of the good golfers. Yeah. Because I don't want to run through all of them right now. I might take Tiger Woods. Yeah. I might do it. That'd be hot. <laughs> Dude, everything in my bean just wants to see Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods play a playoff hole at the end. And I'm not going to be able to watch this tournament because I'm going to be at Firefly, yeah. and I want to save golfers that I like to root for for sure. ones that I can watch. There you go. So, so you can pick, like, Rory McIlroy Yeah, this time. something I don't like. <laughs> I've never liked rooting for Rory at all. He looks like a, he has a punchable face. He has a really dumbass face. Um, Dumb teeth. And now we'll go to our songs of the week to wrap it up. Um, I'm going to go with Reborn from Kids See Ghosts. Uh, it is a great tale of redemption, and I feel very good and inspired by Mr. Kid Cudi. Nice. I am going to go with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from Shrem Life 3. Uh, I didn't know that was out yet. Yeah, it's been out for a while. It did not get very much hype. It's kind of a lot to get after because it's, um, it, they've released three albums at one time yeah. whenever it came out. It came out... In like May, I think, yeah, May fourth, and they released Shrem Life Three, Swaycation, and Jim uh, Tro, all or yeah, Jim Tro, all at the same time. So like when you look at the album, it's like thirty some songs in like an hour and a half, but like it's all three different ones really. Uh-huh. Um, but like the Jim Tro only has a couple good ones. Swaycation is really good. Obviously, Sway Lee's like the better of the two. Yeah. Um. So Swaycation is really good. But yeah, that one's uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is one of the last couple songs off Shrem Life 3, and it's it's a banger. It's, it's been stuck in my head for a couple days. Nice. All right, well, there you have it. This was the Champions Podcast, brought to you by Pretty Good Sports and Gritty Sports Podcast. Thank you to Ryan for being here, and uh, pat myself on the back, because now I'm going to work. <laughs> playing double duty today. Thank everybody for listening to the podcast if you made it to this point and join us later this week for Talking Soccer and the Shinnecock Preview, the U.S. Open. Shinnecock. Cock.